1: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy Wednesday to you, and if you want to join us on our late night town hall conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337. Happy to be with you on radio stations from New York City straight to Alaska, and I'm looking to hear from you tonight. There's a Republican debate tonight by uh, Fox Business Channel and Noticias Univision the Spanish Channel, and, uh, you know, I used to go on that Spanish Channel to do, like, political analysis way back in the days, and uh, after Obama got elected, they never called me back, ever. I think I've done one hit with them since, uh, but interesting. They they were always interested in the Republican perspective until until Obama came around, and then that was it. Once Trump came around, they stopped putting all Republicans on. <laughs> anyway, uh, th- we're going to get into some of that in a little bit. Uh, we'll grab some snippets of audio and play them for you and get some reaction Uh, as well. But I want to start off with um, Senator Bob Menendez. He's pleading not guilty, pled not guilty in his corruption case. And he says, listen, the gold bars are because I'm Cuban. And we talked about that the other day. I just think it's funny. And uh, you've got a story here about Dr. Fauci, who secretly visited the CIA headquarters to influence findings on uh, COVID-19, at least the origin of the COVID-19 report. Uh, the former head of the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease, Dr. Anthony Fauci, a.k.a. the Fouchster, uh, the Fouchster, uh, he was snuck into these CIA headquarters in order to influence these findings. The former chief medical advisor allegedly embarked on a massive cover-up attempt for the notorious Echo Health Alliance, the Chinese Communist Party, and the Wuhan lab. This is... Um, Report coming from the Daily Fetched. And Fauci is now said to have been escorted into the CIA headquarters without a record of entry and participated in the analysis to influence the agency's review of COVID 19. And that was reported by the National Pulse. Uh, Congressman Brad Wenstrup, a Republican from Ohio, the head of the House Select Committee on the Coronavirus Pandemic, said he had concerning information obtained by his panel in a letter sent to the inspector general of the Department of Health and Human Services, saying that uh, the information provided suggests that Dr. Fauci was escorted into the Central Intelligence Agency headquarters without any record of his entry and participated in the analysis to influence the agency's review. Uh, This is what uh, Congressman Weinstrip said. Our goal is to ensure that the scientific investigative process regarding the origins of COVID-19 was fair and impartial, and free of uh, alternative influence. Uh, Weinstrup and the, who is the subcommittee chairman, requested documents to show any Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General uh, authorized personnel or anything that, that was supported or otherwise affiliated with the movements of Dr. Fauci from January 1st, 2020 through December 31st, 2022 into any CIA owned, operated, or occupied building. Including, but not limited to, the George Bush uh, excuse me the George Bush the George Bush Center of Intelligence, uh, Congressman Weinstrup additionally requested that Special Agent Brett Rowland, who worked with Fauci through the Department of Health and Human Services, be available for a transcribed interview. At saying that the American people deserve the truth to know the origins of the virus and whether there was a concerted effort by public health authorities to suppress the lab leak theory for political or national security purposes. Well, isn't that something? I got to tell you, this is um, concerning, disappointing, but not surprising, right? Uh, This is, as, as we go on and we see more of this, to me, it just says we're lied to so often. And the media does their job to cover this stuff up. Uh, The CIA, everybody's doing their job to cover stuff up. You got Fauci covering stuff up. And it it seems like the American people are not stupid. People aren't stupid. And and it's so insulting, I believe, that the government thinks that you don't know better, I don't know better, nobody knows better. We can't figure out what's good for us. We're going to have to just tell you what we want you to think. And then we'll do what we got to do. All right. And I mean, obviously, if they're lying to us, they were lying to everybody. Right. If you're using if you're at the CIA trying to influence the CIA's own um, findings and they found that they thought the lab leak theory was accurate. And now we know that there were whistleblowers saying that some people were paid off five or six people were given bonuses. And all of a sudden they changed their opinion of how the the virus came about. Now we're finding out that Fauci was there to help them deliberate, even though there was no record of him going. But uh, there's information leading to the contrary. Every day there's something new. And it makes you think, why on earth during a time of this global pandemic, 15 days to flatten the curve, wear a mask or everybody dry, uh, drops dead and dies. Grandma will die if, if you're not wearing a mask, all this stuff. For what? Obviously, it was many reasons, but not the least of which is to get people to submit by fear, to get people to do as they're told, to have a, a massive national narrative where people are just kind of subservient to the government, almost a trial run for, you know, total government control. And because that's what it was. I mean, uh, working as a broadcaster, I can tell you at the time I was on local radio in New York City and I was given a letter by the radio station printed on Department of Homeland Security letterhead that said that I was an essential worker and I was permitted to be on the street. And all I can tell you is I remember getting that and thinking to myself, wow, This is like, you know, back in the days, World War II type of things. The only other time I'd heard of this where you had to show papers to be on the street. And it it was astounding. I carried it with me because what was I going to do if, you know, if the NYPD or some other authorities were going to be like, hey, can you be here? Um, You know, you had to do what you had to do. And of course, I was a rebel half the time. I had my cool paper that said I was allowed to be there. But there were so many other places you couldn't go if you didn't have a vax card. You didn't have this. You didn't have that. I was sneaking into places all over the place. What are you going to do? But it's just so um, interesting that we just kind of brush this under the carpet, just like they're trying to brush under the carpet the fact that Trump is so far ahead in these uh, debates and he doesn't even show up to them. I think that's just remarkable. Uh, It's it's clear to me that the Republican base knows exactly what they're looking for in their candidate. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit about the debates. We might hear a little bit from Trump as well. He addressed the uh, auto workers today in Michigan and Uh, We're going to get some analysis on that. And, of course, your phone calls, 833-482-5337 is the phone number, 833-4-Valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. (laughs)
2: listen to you rich all the time
0: america at night with rich valdez
3: the people in Washington are shutting down the American dream with their reckless behavior. They borrowed, they printed, they spent, and now you're paying more for everything. They are the reason for that. They have shut down our national sovereignty by allowing our border to be wide open. So please spare me uh, the crocodile tears for these people. They need to change what's going on. And where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record, where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. That set the stage for the inflation that we have. Now, I can tell you this, as governor of Florida, we cut taxes, we ran surpluses, we've paid down over 25 percent of our state debt, and I vetoed wasteful spending when it came to my desk. And as your president, when they send me a bloating spending bill that's going to cause your prices to go up, I'm going to take out this veto pen, and I'm going to send it right back to them.
1: Of course, that's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, candidate for president of the United States and uh, seemingly trying to take a swipe at President Trump tonight. He's not polling great, but he's uh, ahead of the pack of everybody else that's polling in the single digits and uh, right behind Trump, who's beating him by close to 40 percent as of the latest poll from WAPO and ABC News. And I want to get to the bottom of this uh, with our guest, Caroline Levitt. She's a spokeswoman for President Trump's Super PAC, MAGA, Inc., Caroline Levitt, welcome to the program.
4: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. On this very uh, chaotic, exciting evening between President Trump's speech in Michigan and then this uh, JV softball game going on on the debate stage.
1: Well, let's try to nail those two in the time that we have. Uh, You you just heard uh, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, um, seemingly trying to take a swipe at President Trump. Uh, What's your reaction to that?
4: My reaction is that try again and try harder, maybe next election cycle, Governor DeSantis. Everything this guy has done since announcing his campaign uh, back in May of this year has led to his political demise. He he had uh, the disastrous Twitter spaces launch, failure to launch, I should say, on day one. And ever since, he's been plummeting in the polls. He has burned through millions and millions of dollars of his very wealthy donors' cash, And their only return on investment is uh, to see Ron make a fool of himself, not only tonight, but every single day he's been out on the campaign trail since. And it's really a shame because maybe uh, just a few months ago he could have been a future great candidate, but uh, unfortunately he, he really has embarrassed himself. And voters have seen that he is a phony, he's bought and paid for. And as soon as his donors don't like something he says, he turns around and he switches it. So the American public recognize, especially Republican voters and independents, too, that we need a strong leader again. That strong leader is Donald Trump to turn America around from the hellhole that Joe Biden has really brought us into in the past two and a half years.
1: Yeah, good point. And uh, just for the sake of the audience, we have invited Governor DeSantis to be on the show. Um, No success there. Haven't gotten any responses back. Uh, but he's welcome to join us if he wants to ever correct the record. And uh, Caroline Levitt, and by the way, we've had Trump on the show before, and um, he's agreed to come back, and we'll actually replay that interview this Friday. But we're on with Caroline Levitt, spokesperson for um, the Trump Super PAC MAGA, Inc. And you mentioned uh, a clip of President Trump, uh, you mentioned President Trump's speech in Michigan tonight. Uh, For the sake of time, I'm going to forego playing a clip of it. But he, he, from my estimation, He talked about a lot of things. Uh, He talked about Afghanistan. He talked about uh, how he fixed NAFTA, the trade deal with the USMCA. Uh, It was really, um, I felt, really steeped in policy. It wasn't just political rhetoric, although he had a couple of great zingers there. Um, He talked about the attack on gas vehicles. Uh, What was your reaction to tonight's speech in Michigan?
4: I thought it was truly one of President Trump's most energetic, policy rich speeches ever. And I worked in President Trump's White House, and it's still easy to forget just how rem- how many remarkable achievements he really accomplished. Tonight, he talked specifically about what he did for the auto industry with the renegotiating of NAFTA, which was a ripoff trade deal that Joe Biden long supported, or pulling the United States out of the globalist Obama-era Trans-Pacific Partnership, or slapping China in the face with tariffs that created a real equal playing field for the American auto industry, both the workers and the companies. And then most importantly, Donald Trump reinvigorated our domestic energy industry. He utilized the resources that God has blessed us with here in the United States of America. We were a net exporter of energy and our honor industry was benefiting from that. Their wages were up, their pensions were up, inflation was of course down. It was it was non existent in the Trump years. And now we've really seen the opposite take hold with Bidenomics, the tax and spend policies of this administration that has hiked up record high inf- inflation rates, mortgage rates, interest rates and that's what has led these auto workers to strike today and as Donald Trump said tonight they'll be quickly going from the picket line to the unemployment line if there are four more years of President Trump's globalist policies coming out of the White House if these workers don't want to be penniless and jobless and they want more money back in their wallet they should vote for President Trump and I think he really eloquently outlined that tonight
1: I agree now I want to shift gears a little bit to the 24 race overall as we stand today, Biden's still the candidate, although not only is he a lackluster candidate and to me, it seems like even the Democrats are um, looking for a way out and maybe they'll find one, whether it's through the impeachment inquiry, maybe it's some other angle that they find um, focusing on his age, whatever it is. Do you think that Biden is ultimately going to stand uh, a chance to be the actual Democrat nominee?
4: I'm not quite sure he'll make it to the to the starting line, never mind the finish line to be honest with you. He's clearly declining cognitively, physically, mentally each and every day. There was just a story in Axios this week that his staff clearly planted um, to to signal to donors that they're going to be protecting him from further falls and mishaps and that that's just pathetic. And frankly, it's embarrassing and sad for our country because you see that the demise of America here within, but uh, perhaps more dangerously, our adversaries around the world see Joe Biden's weakness and they're taking advantage of us. That's why Putin invaded Ukraine. It's why China is encroaching on Taiwan. It's why Mexican drug cartels are literally running our southern border and have taken over uh, our homeland security in this in this nation because no one takes Joe Biden seriously. How could you when he can't even stand in his own two feet? So I think it's tragic, what, uh, not only uh, how weak he appears, but how his weak policies have hurt this great country. So we'll have to see if he can make it.
1: Caroline Levitt, if if. In fact, he doesn't make it to the starting line, as you say. Uh, Do you believe it's Kamala Harris? Do you believe that there's another Democrat waiting in the wings? Some allude to Gavin Newsom or others. What's your thought?
4: You know, if it's Kamala Harris, the Democrats are going to find themselves in possibly an even weaker position. And so Mm -hmm. I think they're really shuffling the deck of cards right now and trying to uh, probably heavily poll test what is right what uh puts them up in the best position to beat Donald Trump but uh and that's the case that they are going to have to make because president Trump is the strongest republican in the primary of course but he's also the only one that's beating Joe Biden in general election polling he just a new poll this week from ABC and Washington Post had him beating Joe Biden by 10 And so if they want to put up someone like Kamala or even, for goodness sake, Gavin Newsom, who has led to the demise of his great home state or formerly great home state of California, um, it's going to be a tough fight for them to fairly win the next election against Donald Trump, no matter who they put up, because the American people understand that their lives were better Under President Trump's leadership, they had more money in their wallets. Our border was secure. There was peace around the world, and our law enforcement felt like they had a a commander-in-chief that truly backed them. And so, if if most Americans want to restore common sense, except for the you know minority far left that has a control over the modern day Democrat Party, so any voter that's listening, other than those uh, crazy lefties, I would say, you know, the time is now to vote for President Trump if you want real, tangible change. It doesn't matter who the Democrats put up, they're going to cater and cave to that far left demographic.
1: President Trump tonight said that uh, nobody seemed uh, worthy of of being his VP on the debate stage tonight. Mm -hmm. That being said, who do you think is going to walk away the winner tonight?
4: Uh, You know, I'm not so sure. Frankly, I haven't been able to watch much of it. I've been doing great interviews like this one with yourself. Uh, So I'll have to go back and watch some of the clips um, and we'll have to see who performs. But the reality is all of these candidates could have a Hail Mary one handed touchdown victory uh, pass, And it still wouldn't be enough to beat Donald Trump.
1: Caroline Levitt, thanks for joining us. You are a gentlewoman, a scholar and a patriot. And I appreciate you staying up late to stick around with us. Thank you. Anytime. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. uh, We're going to continue listening to these clips from the debate. And then then we're going to talk about oil prices. Anyway, don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
3: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about
0: 37-83-4 Valdes. That's Valdes with an S.
5: The real divide is not between the Republicans on this stage and in the Reagan Library. I want to say these are good people on this stage. The real divide is between the majority of us in this country who love the United States of America and share our founding ideals, free speech, meritocracy. The idea you get ahead in this country, not in the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and the fringe minority in the Democrat Party that has a chokehold over that party.
1: That's Vivek Ramaswamy uh, talking about the divide within the Republican Party. And it's, uh, it's a striking divide, um, not too striking. I mean, if you look at it, if you put all of them together, they, they probably come close to what, to what Trump is polling at. But it's still a divide nonetheless. There's a divide on Ukraine spending. There's, and mainly, I guess, the other divide is on Trump and the America First policies. Now, what I find interesting here is there's a lot going on. Right, there's this uh, United Auto Workers strike, and Ramaswamy weighed in on that as well. We got a number of things, and everybody's trying to beat Trump because obviously that's the guy to beat in this race. However, in years past, in statewide elections and things like that, I've seen many a time where multiple Republicans were running against a Democrat, and they would take the debate opportunity to talk about how they contrast so differently with the end goal. Uh, of having another four years of Democrats in office. And I I don't see too much of that. I see a lot of just taking shots at Trump. And it's interesting that you have this, you know, swath of candidates that are talking about a lot of things. But it seems like many of the things that they're talking about aren't necessarily resonating with the Republican base that's going to vote. And I think, you know, you tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I would suspect that if I had the task of running against Trump in a, a primary election, when he's as popular as he is with Republicans, it would probably behoove me to run against Biden in the, in the primary, right? To, to really show the stark contrast between my policies as long as I don't look identical to Trump to provide an alternative. And I I didn't see a ton of that in what I've seen thus far, which is is not a lot, but uh, it's interesting. And Ramaswamy uh, came back in and, you know, he's showing sympathy for the striking workers, but um, he put a focus on
5: patriotism. Listen to this. People are going through real hardship in this country. I've been through hardship growing up. My father stared down layoffs at GE under Jack Welch's tenure at the GE plant in Evendale, Ohio. My mom had to work overtime in nursing homes in Southwest Ohio to make ends meet and pay off our home loan. So I understand that hardship is not a choice. But victimhood is a choice, and we choose to be victorious in the United States of America. You know what? If I was giving advice to those workers, I would say go picket in front of the White House in Washington, D.C. That's really where the protest needs to be. Disastrous economic policies that have driven up prices, that have driven up interest rates and mortgage rates. At the same time, wages remaining stagnant. What we need is to deliver economic growth in this country. Unlock American energy. Drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear energy put people back to work by no longer paying them more money to stay at home, stabilize the U.S. dollar itself, and rescind a majority of those unconstitutional federal regulations that are hampering our economy. That is how we unleash American exceptionalism. And that's not a Democratic vision or a Republican vision. That is an American vision that we embrace economic growth. And capitalism is still the best system known to man to lift us up from poverty. Poverty, and we should not apologize for it. That's what it means to be an American.
1: And that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? So Vivek Ramaswamy here, he's he's selling to the crowd. He's saying, look, this is uh, an attack on Biden, right? This is an attack on uh, those that want to be unconstitutional. He's not sitting there wasting his time beating up Trump. And, and you know, for to his credit, he hasn't done that since the beginning. He's been doing this the way I And I think that's why he kind of stands out in so many debates. Uh, although in this most recent poll, he um, he came in, in in the last place. But again, there's an ebb and flow to debates. And I think we'll see him uh, rise again probably after this performance because that's what people want to hear. And honestly, that's what people want to hear on both sides. It doesn't matter if, if you like Biden or you don't like Biden. When he explains that they should be striking outside the White House, excellent point. The reason that people are wanting a raise and needing more is because life is way more expensive than it need be. If, but for Biden's attack on American energy, his attack on gas-operated vehicles, his attack on uh, U.S. sovereignty, if you will, with the disaster at the southern border, we wouldn't have these problems. Those weren't the issues of the day during the last administration, henceforth why Trump is polling well. Makes all the sense in the world to me. But not everybody is taking that approach. Now, others tonight did. There were others that really took an approach where they're, you know, trying to show solidarity with American workers. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence, for example, uh, he says that he's standing with American workers and, you know, leaving the door open. But I believe in, in politics and in radio, you have to have a position. You really can't vacillate on issues because it's not interesting. So pick a side. You got to pick a side and know where you're at. And I don't know that his response tonight uh, was very, very solid, but listen to what Vice President Pence had to say about standing with the American workers.
6: Uh, while the union bosses are talking about class warfare and talking about disparity in wages, I, I have to tell you, I really believe what's driving that is Bidenomics has failed. Wages are not keeping up with inflation. Auto workers and all American workers are feeling it, and families are struggling in this economy. And Joe Biden's Green New Deal agenda is good for Beijing and bad for Detroit. We ought to repeal the Green New Deal, get rid of the mandates and subsidies that are driving American gasoline automotive manufacturing into the graveyard. And beyond that, also, uh, as President of the United States, I'll be standing with workers all across America. And I'll be standing for the right to work of every American to join a union or not join a union as they decide.
1: Well, there you have Vice President Pence again. Now, I think he gets some points for um, beating up Biden and not uh, going against his perceived opponent, President Trump. But then he kind of, um, you know, he does a little bit of union bashing there. Fine. That's fine. Uh, But ultimately, going to, to say you're supporting right to work and saying that you're standing with the American workers, I feel like you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth here. And again, you, sometimes that's what politicians do. But I think in in debate like this one, uh, especially on an, on the night where where Trump is addressing the uh, auto workers directly in Michigan, you've got to have a stronger position. You've got to come out and say, "Look, no, we're not. We don't support what's going on. We do have to do this. We this is what I recommend." And I don't think anybody got that from from that particular comment. And as, as long as the the rest of these candidates don't take this position, uh, whatever position they're going to take, but take a position and really stand by it, because if you don't, I think ultimately it gets drowned out. It sounds like more of the same. It sounds milk toast, And then people just say, eh, I don't know. You know, when you have this much, much competition alongside you, you've really got to stand out. And it's difficult. I get it. It's difficult you know he, he it for me it comes across as he's not committed to to where he's at he's kind of feeling things out and he's like you know I'm, i i would say this but that might be a little too strong i think if you're not saying it's strong at this point in a primary where you're up against six or seven other guys on a debate stage and 15 overall if they you know whether they're into the debate or not i think there's still 15 candidates this is where you are You have to stand out. You've got to give them the knockout punch every single time. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. Just my thoughts. Let's see. And if if Pence is president in 24, I'll I'll have to eat my shorts. But I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Anyway, we're going to continue with our debate analysis from the Republican debate uh, tonight. And uh, we're going to take your calls as well. 833-482-5337 if you want to weigh in on your thoughts. 833-4-Valdez coming right back.
0: America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 4Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 4Valdez. That's Valdez with an S.
4: Are we wasting our money?
0: Well, what happens is when Joe Biden waved the green flag, It told everybody to come, and now we've seen six million people cross the border. We've had more fentanyl that have killed Americans in the Iraq, Vietnam, or Afghanistan wars combined. We need to make sure that we are a country of laws. The second we stop being a country of laws, we give up everything this country was founded on. So we have to secure the border. The way we do that is, first of all, defund sanctuary cities. You see what's happening in Philadelphia right now. It's got to stop. We need to make sure we put 25,000 more border patrol and ICE agents on the ground and let them do their job. I spent 400 miles down that border, and I'm telling you, border patrol agents aren't allowed to do their job.
1: So Nikki Haley says the border patrol agents are handcuffed and that we are not doing what we need to do at the border. Well, thank you. I mean, we all know that. Uh, But I, I appreciate that she's saying it because she's right. We have to make a change here. And, and the change starts at the top. You've got Biden at the top instructing Mayorkas to just turn a blind eye and be a bureaucrat and turn border agents into travel agents to put them on buses or planes to Philadelphia, New York, uh, Florida, where else, wherever else they're sending them. And this is just continuing. It's on repeat. Rinse and repeat. And it's, it's absolutely crazy. Earlier today... Uh, About an hour ago, it's being reported by Barron's that uh, dozens of illegal immigrants attempted to come into the United States by swimming across the Rio Grande in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, and some of them had to swim back to the Mexican side of the river after they were uh, warned away by Texas authorities. You know, those are the ones that are actually getting work done, the folks in Texas, by, you know, the putting the buoys in and, and having their what they call the Texas DPS Department of Public Safety uh, with their drones and their aerial uh, team and they're they're out there working hard on deterring what's going on, uh, and I'm not to say that the Border Patrol isn't, but it's clear every time we have somebody from the Border Patrol Union on, they make it clear that they're being reassigned and that they're not able to do what they have to do. Matter of fact, there was a big story on it the other day where uh, they just reassigned a bunch of agents away from actually doing their job to to do another job. And and this continuously happens in this time of crisis because they're outmanned. And, you know, when I said it starts at the top with Joe Biden, we have to ask, who's Joe Biden's boss? Is it we the people? No, of course not. It's the cartels in China. And, and this is, in fact, the problem, in my opinion. And uh, we're going to continue with our debate uh, audio as well as your calls. Let's hit the phones real quick and go to Canton, Ohio, W-N-I-R, and check in with Debbie. Debbie, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome.
7: Thank you, Rich, for taking my call. My pleasure. Um, I am so, um, with, uh, I have so many emotions about all this because I have a niece as dealing with the fentanyl thing. Um, so that's one thing. But on the other hand, I think about, um, this border control is crazy it's crazy but i'm 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 conservative, but I'm also like a liberal in some ways because right. my um granddaughter is uh gay, and I don't want her to be you see where i'm torn I'm like sixty five years old I'm in the middle, yeah, you know what I don't know where to feel about anything. I don't want my granddaughter to be um, chastised because she's gay. And I know that the right wing uh, go against that. And then I don't want my niece to be killed because she's getting fentanyl. So tell me where to go. But let
1: me (laughs) let me ask you this. And I I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, But with respect to what you said about, um, you know, the, the right wing and their view on gays what what kind of examples could you give me on that? Because I, I mean, before gay marriage was legalized, the Republicans were adamantly opposed to allowing marriage to be a thing. But then the Supreme Court stepped in uh, years ago. and And that seems to be resolved, right? it's It's a resolved issue. Uh, I think the the bigger focus now is on not sexualizing education for children. Uh, there's a big push against this big transgender push that's being pushed on society, as if we never had transgenders in the, in the past. And all of a sudden, at every turn, there's transgenders everywhere. There's drag queens reading kids' storybooks in libraries. There's drag queens, drag queens visiting kindergarten. There's drag queen performances where they say all ages, where they're having kids tip the drag queens. These are things we'd never seen in the past. So I think the big push is against that. And I don't even think that's a political issue. I, I think that's a it's a moral and cultural issue. Um, so what, what fear do you have for your niece, um, with respect to Republican policies?
7: Well, first of all, transgender has nothing to do with what my granddaughter's gone through. Right. Okay. She's not transgender. She's a beautiful young woman at 19, 20 years old. And she's known she's been gay for a few years. That's not transgender.
1: No, I'm not saying it is. What I'm saying is um, she's gay, and I I haven't seen Republicans come against gay people at all. I've seen them come against gay marriage years ago, so that's why I'm asking you. Why are you concerned about Republicans and and her being gay?
7: They're lumping it, you know, like a lump, you know. It's a lump thing. Oh, you're gay, you're lump—you know, it's not the same thing. Oh, I see. No,
1: it's not. I gotcha. Well, I, you know, that's not even a Republican thing. Honestly, that I think was the, the left within that movement. Um, even the gays are against that, uh, where they're saying we don't want to be part of the LGBTQ plus community. Don't lump us all together. We had a, um, a woman who was a lesbian on this program saying that she, she's a conservative and she's gay and she didn't want to be part of the LGBTQ community because she didn't support their, their agenda. Interestingly, A comment that she made, she said, you know, if she said, if if I'm a homosexual and I choose to, you know, be with the same sex, that means that I'm a woman that likes women. And per the trans ideology, she they would say that you're actually a man and that's you should identify as a man. This way you can like women. And she was adamantly opposed to that. So she took exemption uh, to the trans ideology and and the entirety of the LGBTQ movement, saying she just preferred to go by gay or lesbian, that she didn't want to be a part of that. So I I, I totally get where you're coming from. But I don't think that's the Republicans pushing that. I think that's honestly uh, the left wing. But I appreciate the call, Debbie. Thank you for your honesty and your candor. Call in anytime. I love the conversation. I have to take a quick pause here, but we're coming right back to the rest of your calls. 833 482 5337.
0: 833 4 Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. At
1: night with Rich Valdez. All right, America. Welcome back. We continue our national conversation. We're gonna to go to Akron, Ohio, WNIR. Check in with Mark. Mark, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead.
2: Hey, Rich Valdez. Good evening. Um, yes, sir. Thank you.
8: I've talked to you I talked to you several times and um like I say, uh we it's gonna take us. Uh, to find the answer, I do. I believe that with all my heart, because of the um, the government, the president, the senators turning a blind eye, and mm-hmm. we know, I know that they're turning a
1: blind eye to
8: the problems. Okay. And you're because talking about they, the problem at the border. Yes, sir. And, and they don't live like you and I or, or most of the
1: American families or my neighbors and people I know. And No, you're or, right. They don't live like uh, the rest of the world. They, they are the 1% Uh, as they always like to rail against. I think you're right, Mark. They're turning a blind eye to the problem, and they're living better than you and me both, and that's what needs to change in Washington. Hopefully with the next election, we can take a step towards that. Mark, thanks for the call. Big shout-out to WNIR. Folks, straight ahead, we're going to talk about gas prices, the debate, and the news of the day. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome back. It's hour number two of the program. If you want to give us a call and join our late-night National Town Hall conversation, feel free to do that. 833 4825 valdez And I want to, um, again, remind you about the Republican uh, presidential election uh, Forum The uh, debate tonight, Uh, we have some uh, clips of that. We're going to continue to bring you some of that. I also want to shift gears a little bit and um, talk about energy and what's going on with energy. And earlier this week, uh, President Biden said that he wanted to decrease our reliance on fossil fuels. And while that's a popular mantra of the left... Uh, it's and the environmentalists, it's not always a feasible one because of the reality of doing it. And, of course, their alternative is electric vehicles, which in and of themselves uh, require these batteries that cause more damage on the environment than the actual fossil fuel burning cars. So uh, it, it's fascinating to say the least. But listen to President Biden.
6: But we also stand ready to work together with China on issues. Where progress hinges on our common efforts, nowhere is that more critical than accelerating the climate crisis. Than, than the accelerating climate crisis. We see it everywhere: record-breaking heat waves in the United States and China, wildfires ravaging North America and Southern Europe, a fifth year of drought in the Horn of Africa, tragic, tragic flooding in Libya. My heart goes out to the people of you that's killed thousands thousands of people together these snapshots tell an urgent story of what awaits us if we fail to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels and begin to climate proof the world for one day for one day my administration the United States has treated this crisis as an existential threat from the moment we took office not only for us for all of humanity.
1: So for one day, for one day, he's done it since he's been in office. (laughs) And all I could say is, I mean, I don't mean to laugh at him, but I find him humorous. The, the issue uh, I find here is that this is just, it's always the same mantra, right? It's always the same thing. We're going to beat you up about these emotional stories. The polar bears are dying. This is happening. That's happening. It's never, uh, 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 a matter-of-fact thing, it's always some sort of uh, sentimental platitude in one way or another to try to get you to buy into this agenda. And then you see the news, and the news is always horrible, right? You've got a, you've got a CEO that's just come out uh, saying that oil prices could hit $150 a barrel. That's not good. Is that because of his one-day of addressing the, uh, the climate proofing of the world? I beg to differ. Anyway, I want to bring in an expert on this stuff, Phil Flynn. He's uh, the senior market analyst at the Price Futures Group and uh, the author of The Energy Report, and he's a contributor to Fox Business Network. Phil Flynn, welcome to the program
9: hey rich it's great to be here I, I you know I think, hey, I think climate proofing the world sounds great, right? How are you going to do that? Is there some kind of spray that you spray on i mean that's, i I mean how do you climate proof something you you know you, i mean is President Biden going to stop the rain, or you know i i don 't know what that means, but uh Obviously, uh, you know, I I think when it comes to energy, I mean, he doesn't have a clue. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but, you know, I thought one of the great lines in the debate tonight, um, you know, Fox Business debate where they had the Republicans on stage was actually by the North um, Dakota governor, uh, Doug Burgum, Burgum, who actually got in a good line. And he said the biggest existential threat to the globe right now isn't climate change it's the green new deal and i have to agree with them because if you see what it's doing to the economy and the poor and middle class that's one of the biggest threats i think to the world a lot more than the so-called climate uh, issues that you know president biden picks and chooses these particular you know weather events that have nothing to do with climate change necessarily and so that's why it really becomes ridiculous
1: well, you know, Phil Flynn, I think you, you raise a good point there. And I, I tend to agree with you. But let's unpack that a little bit uh, as to why you believe uh, what uh, Governor Burgum said, because I, I feel that not there's not enough information out there uh, that's uh, as available as AOC frantically, you know, um, running around saying the world's going to end in 12 years or President Biden mm-hmm. saying we need to climate proof the world um, Compact that a little bit.
9: Well, I mean, listen, you know, I, I, I mean, the climate science has been one of the worst uh, reported on scientific things. You know, whenever you hear from anybody that tells you the science is settled, right? We can't even think about it anymore. Your your antenna should go up because science is never settled, right? You know, uh, the truth is the matter. There, when you have a scientific situation, you come out with a theory, you test a theory, and if the theory works, then you can say it's a scientific fact. But the problem is, when it comes to climate change, every major prediction that the climate scientists have made for the last 20 or 30 years have you know, turned out to be wrong. Yes, the climate's warming, but in fact, we just had a report that came out from a thousand climate scientists and a lot of people haven't heard this because you know the mainstream media doesn't report on anything that is you know against the common climate uh, you know crisis situation that everybody right. hypes and they said that there is no climate emergency and it, yes the climate's warming but to take these draconian steps uh to transform the economy raise the price of energy which we're seeing at every gas pump in america and when we pay our electric bill uh, to take these steps uh, is doing more damage to the economy our national security than it is by helping the environment now if
1: somebody wanted to get their hands on a copy of this report from a thousand climate scientists <clears throat> is something that's on your website or is it something that you make available
9: I I can definitely get it for you. Um, you know, I hate to say Google, but you can Google it. It came out sure. a few weeks ago, but yeah, it's it's been out there. It's been reported. You, you might, you know, of course, when you go to Google, you might have to go down through fifteen pages because <laughs> right. the way the algorithms work, you know, you might want to go to Yahoo first to look for it and then go back to Google. Uh, you, you can find it out there, but 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 this is this is this is thing. I mean, when we get to to the climate scientists. You know, I've been an energy analyst for 30 years, right, looking at the price of oil almost every sure. day, every minute, uh, you know, and, and, you know, climate has always been one of the issues. But one of the things that we've seen when it's come to the, the climate crisis um, is that when we are making these steps against energy, we have to balance that with the fact that we are raising the cost of food. We're raising the cost of, of living, and we've had a negligible impact on, on the climate, right? I mean, the policies that are in place haven't reduced carbon emissions at all. You know, uh, what, what we've seen is carbon emissions continue to rise, and the things that have brought carbon emissions down, actually, has been the U.S. energy sector, you know, producing more natural gas. And, you know, if we want to reduce carbon, we've got to look at um, more natural gas usage, what the Biden administration is trying to kill. And we have to look at more nuclear power, which, uh, you know, they can't get behind that in a strong way because their environmental base is against that. So, you know, the I don't know what the environmentalists want when it comes to uh, energy sources, but maybe they want to go back to, you know, uh, rubbing sticks together. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> you, know, you know, Phil Flynn, you, you bring up a really good point in that. The Biden administration has been killing uh, domestic energy production. And this is something, you know, he vowed to do from day one. I think it was one of his first executive orders, uh, his first, you know, 48 hours in office. And it it wasn't just one or two things he's done. I mean, he's consistently had a pattern of preventing our nation and our energy producing sector, if you will, from doing what they do, uh, increasing our reliance on foreign oil. And, And many people can't believe it because they're like why would anybody do that
9: because he has an agenda right it's not about common sense it's about its agenda and actually he, the best way to describe his energy policy is anything that wasn't Donald Trump right Donald mm-hmm. Trump pushed through the Keystone pipeline um, he killed it you know Donald Trump opened up federal lands for drilling President Biden killed it in fact when it came to executive orders on the energy, President Biden made more executive orders to restrain U.S. oil production than any president in the history of the globe. Right. Um, and the other thing that he did um, when it came to the global energy superstructures, he got into a, a oil war with Saudi Arabia, one that we yeah. were bound to lose. You know, he was saying, hey, we're going to make you a pariah state. We don't need to deal with you. And guess what? He pushed Saudi Arabia closer to Russia, closer to China. But then he used the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to try to teach him a lesson. Say, like, we're going to show you. You won't pump more oil, Saudi Arabia. We're going to release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And Saudi Arabia is like, "Okay, go ahead. And guess what happened? We drained our strategic reserve. Now they are controlling the global oil price. We've got a global oil shortage right now. Saudi Arabia is making it worse by cutting production, and we can't do anything about it. Why? Because we discourage U.S. oil production. We discouraged it. We disparaged the U.S. energy companies. President Biden called them warmongers and and price price fixers and everything else. But what he did was discourage U.S. production. And that's why these prices are going up like they are today.
1: Yeah, I can tell you, I, uh, I filled up my tank at $86 about a week and a half ago. And uh, the following week, uh, just recently, a few days ago, I went and it was $102. So the price is you know. definitely going up. And I want to stay on that topic of oil. Uh, but take a quick pause. Folks, we're on with Phil Flynn. He is a senior market analyst for the Price Futures Group, and he's the author of The Energy Report. Uh, He's also a contributing um, uh, Fox Business Network contributor. Excuse me. We're coming right back with Phil Flynn and your calls. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is night this is rich valdez
1: all right amigos welcome back we're on with phil flynn he's the author of the energy report and listen to this headline this is um just a little while ago today according to cnn business america's energy oil reserve is at a 40 year low and that could inflate oil prices uh, and that's the um, the the quote from Goldman Sachs that they're quoting here. Now, Phil Flynn, uh, we just talked about this, how this is, you know, uh, uh, a problem that's been exacerbated when Trump left office. I think we had uh, he had actually replenished the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and had done th- that for the first time in like 40 or 50 years. Here we are now with the lowest levels we've had in 40 years uh, after, um, you know, dissing the Saudis and thus we have this problem and now others are saying a barrel of oil is going to go from 120 to 150
9: bucks and and it's very possible i mean based off what we're seeing here today i mean oil prices came just shy of 95 dollars here in the united states that's the highest price of the year um, and all you young technical traders on oil i mean this is a major area of of where uh, of resistance, because if we break through ninety five dollars a barrel, um, a lot of analysts think that we have a straight shot up to one hundred dollars a barrel, possibly as high as one hundred and eleven and 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 you 're right and and the The thing is that when we started to use the strategic petroleum reserve to try to control the market. It, it backfired, you know, and the, the day it happened, you know, I'm saying this is the biggest mistake you could possibly make because when the government interferes in the free market trying to manipulate prices, um, it always fails, right? And even yeah. though short-term President Biden won a few votes because I got gasoline prices down by releasing the oil from the reserve, he didn't tell you it was going to make it more expensive in the long run, and that's what we're going to see. And we're seeing that mainly because when he interfered by the market, it was like he gave a drug to the market. It's like, here's some, you know, here's some free drugs, get addicted to this. So the producers didn't produce because there was no price response. There's no reason to do it because there was oil available. But now that that oil's empty, we've emptied out the reserve. Now they're, they're drawn down our supplies like crazy. And because we've, you know, got into a war with Saudi Arabia over oil or, you know, at least a production war, um, they're not going to raise production. So we're going to drain our supplies. And that's why we're in such a bad shape. And that's why, you know, California, I I saw, you know, $6 a gallon. And, you know, we could hear as high as seven or eight in California.
1: And that's, again, six or seven bucks in California in late September going into October. What what do you foresee coming uh, now in in November and December.
9: I mean, we're in an era of higher prices. And if you're in a bad situation, if you're heating your house with heating oil, you know, the supplies going into winter are well below average around the world. Um, and if we get a cold winter, we could see those prices absolutely ex- explode. Now, last winter, you know, we were in a bad shape uh, as well, but we got a warm winter. So, it you know, nothing really happened. But going into this year, we're extremely vulnerable. So even if we get a normal winter, you can see these prices go up. You know, I I have to tell everybody, listen, be prepared. You know, prices are going to stay strong. Um, It's going to be a very rough go. So uh, just be prepared. Um, And, um, you know, know, I hate to tell them because every time they go anywhere, gas station, grocery store, trying to pay the rent, um, they're getting hit uh, with inflation driven by bad government policy and energy and and it's filtered down to the entire economy and you know a big part of it is the bad energy policy that we've had in this country that's causing this price increase and getting back to the spr about donald trump wanted to refill the reserve at 20 dollars, chuck schumer stopped him from doing that so
1: he's not known for his brilliance Uh, folks we're on with phil flynn Uh, he's a contributor on the fox business channel and uh, Phil Flynn, uh, before we wrap up, take uh, 30 seconds or so to tell us about your book, The Energy Report.
9: Yeah, I mean, The Energy Report uh, is, you know, followed by, by people all over the world. And it's uh, just a daily note on energy. It's accessible to any anybody. Um, and, and what we try to do is bring the crazy world of energy uh, down to where people can understand what's going to happen. Um, and, and I think it's good for anybody because really, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things that we try to get out there is that fossil fuels aren't bad, right? Fossil fuels power the economy. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of funny. I see all these people say, no more fossil fuels. And then I, I, I look at what they're wearing, you know, and they're wearing these, uh, you know, rubber coats and, you know, raincoats and gym shoes and stuff, not realizing yeah. they're all made out of fossil fuels.
1: Phil Flynn, let everybody know your website or your handle so they could follow you.
9: You got it. pflynn at pricegroup.com. Email me, pflynn at pricegroup.com. And you can catch me at uh, EnergyPhilFlynn on Twitter.
1: Outstanding, sir. I appreciate you. Thanks for staying up late with us. Folks, there is more to come. Straight ahead, your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4valdez. All right, that's Andy Ross Country music star and his song American Heart. And Andy Ross is the founder and CEO. In addition to doing country music, he's got a gun company where he makes guns. It's called American Rebel, leading manufacturer of gun safes and other concealed carry apparel. And uh, Andy Ross is with us. Andy Ross, welcome, sir.
10: Hey, thank you very much for ha- uh, having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: You bet. So I want to get your thoughts on what's going on with the – seems like incessant gun debate. There's always a debate over the Second Amendment and where it ends, where it starts, et cetera, et cetera. And all these clever ways that folks uh, on the left within the government, folks on the left within the media come up with to try to limit one's ability to um, keep and bear arms. And uh, Governor Gavin Newsom of California yesterday – He signed a a law to raise taxes on guns to make it harder to have a concealed weapon. And this is something that I think um, doesn't take into account a lot of things. Uh, Of course, if you're doubling taxes on ammo and guns and whatnot, I don't think there's a mass killer shooter out there that cares about how much tax they're going to pay because their mission is to kill people, number one. Uh, I also think that this is something that that is coming out of California, which doesn't have a, an incredible record on on shootings, despite having very strict gun laws. But I want you to hear this short clip from Governor Gavin Newsom,
9: the health related costs, the cost borne by the taxpayers uh, for gun violence is off the charts. Any fiscal conservative uh, should be making that case. So there he is
1: uh, Governor Newsom saying that uh, we should be paying the cost for this. And like I said, um, g- regular responsible gun owners, people that are participating in their Second Amendment constitutional right to to, to have a gun, uh, are paying the price double now for ammo and whatnot, because he thinks it's a good idea to provide for school safety. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that love the idea that it's attached to school safety. The problem is uh, and I'm going to venture to say this is likely unconstitutional and will probably be beaten court somewhere two, three years down the road once it finally gets to where it's got to go. But until then, it's we the people that suffer. Andy Ross.
10: Yeah, you know, and I always find that, uh, you know, the, the Second Amendment is the amendment that protects all of our other amendments. And for for anyone in office to think by doubling a tax or you know, even just making uh, gun purchases tougher and harder and waiting periods on law-abiding the citizens is going to do anything for crime. It just, you know, most of the people that are committing crimes, uh, dare to say, you know, 90 plus percent are are purchasing guns through through more illegal uh, methods. They're not walking into their local gun shop, filling out their uh, proper paperwork and going through the steps that they put us through to purchase a firearm. So, it um, just—it's—it's it's amazing that they would be that disconnected to think somehow um, that's going to make a difference in the crime rate. Um, I always applaud, you know, school safety as we all do. Um, this just seems a—you know—just seems like an excuse uh, to tie it to a reason to uh, just put restrictions on our ability to be law-abiding the citizens and, and purchase a firearm.
1: Right, and I think again, it—it—it it, it, it res- deserves scrutiny because if I want to buy a gun to do something bad and I'm able to buy a gun because I've never done anything bad before, I'm going to buy my gun and I'm going to pay the extra tax and whatever it's going to be. And I'm still going to use it to do something bad, even if I am legally allowed to buy a gun. If I want to use a car to run people over, I can go and legally buy a car and still run people over. If I want to uh, build a bomb and buy hydrogen and bleach and and ammonia and whatever it is that they put in bombs, I I can go buy those things legally and still do bad things. Uh, just as bad people can do these things illegally as well. The, the real issue here is you can't punish people for things they haven't done. And, and to say that you're going to lose a right that's guaranteed to you in the Constitution as a God-given natural right because of some politician or some movement that says, uh, well, we don't like this idea, to me is just it flies in the face of what the Constitution is and what liberty really is in America. Now, a- Andy Ross, um, we see that Governor Newsom, he still has – uh state troopers, armed guards, none of them are giving up their guns. I I don't understand how somebody who's traveling with an armed security detail can sit there and tell people who don't have an armed security detail that sure you can have a gun, but now you're gonna have to pay double for it and double for the bullets. It's just insane to me. Well
10: and you know it's not it's you know obviously uh protecting yourself, uh protecting your family, even protecting a room full of total strangers um, you know, for a law abiding citizen who, who carries, uh, but it's, it's more than that too. I mean, your, your property, your valuables, you know, I, I live in in downtown in a high rise in Nashville, Tennessee. I can walk down the street to my local bank and they have an armed security guard. And I understand that right next door is a jewelry store and they have an armed security guard. And I, I understand Mm -hmm. that. Their businesses. They can afford uh, to have armed security guards to protect their property. But, you know, the guy's got a farm. He's got some land. He's got a tractor. He's got some uh, heirlooms, you know, that have been handed down to him from his great-grandfather, grandparents. He's got memories, uh, you know, very valuable things to him. Now, it may not be a room full of diamonds, but they mean just as much to him. He has just as much right that family does to protect their belongings, to protect their home, to protect what's important to them, um, and they should never be punished uh, for the acts of of people who just have you know evil and harm on their mind. And like you were saying, the guy wants to do harm or gal wants to do harm. They can they can get everything they need at their local Walmart to be very destructive. So um, the Second Amendment is pure. It's it's uh, it's it's part of our Constitution and. I don't, you know, just seems like every time you turn around, somebody wants to mess with it and it's the most perfect, pure, uh, thing that I can think of the right to bear arms, to protect yourself, to protect your family, to protect your belongings. Um, you know, the cops can't get there quick enough a lot of times, right? Mm. You gotta be able to defend yourself.
1: And of course, to protect yourself against the tyrannical government. Uh, folks were on with Andy Ross, country music superstar. And uh, the founder and CEO of American Rebel, they make uh, gun safes and other associated carry apparel. We're going to continue our conversation with him. I want to get his reaction to the the ban on archery lately. There's been a little bit of a ban on that. Uh, At at least uh, the Biden administration is coming across that. And he used to host a show called Maxim Archery. So I'm sure he's got an opinion on that. And, of course, we have uh, the case from a week or two ago where a federal judge put a temporary block on New, the New Mexico governor's unconstitutional gun ban. So we're going to continue with those topics and more straight ahead. Plus your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833 482 5337-833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
1: All right, amigos, welcome back. And uh, we're on with Andy Ross. He's the founder and CEO of American Rebel. He's also a country music singer. And Andy Ross, um, what was your reaction with this uh, New Mexico case? Uh, and again, it's still up in the air. There's a temporary ban on it, but uh, where she said in the name of um, public health, because th- there was massive violence in uh, in a particular city in her state, she said, we're going to stop everybody who's following the law from being able to carry.
10: Well, this is this is, you know, if you looked up unconstitutional in the dictionary, this this case needs to be in there. I mean, this is about as unconstitutional as it gets. And I was just thankful to see that, you know, she doesn't have a lot of support from uh, local law enforcement and and other uh, people in, you know, in political positions in, in New Mexico So I was happy to see that. I can't imagine that it can stick. It's just um, about as far out there as you can get, I think, for trying to find a reason to ban, you know, to ban uh, law-abiding citizens from purchasing a firearm.
1: I agree. And we, we had this story. I, let's see, I don't have it in front of me, uh, but I'm not sure if you've heard of it. You probably have where the Biden administration was coming against, uh, was using the, the power of the federal government to, stop school funding for archery and other programs. Um, what's your reaction to that?
10: Uh, you know, to, to, to stop, a, a person, a young person from learning about being out in the woods, learning about nature, learning about conservation, learning about where meat really comes from that ends up on your dinner table, learning what it means to go out and, you know, take a deer or take an animal and, uh, you know, fill dress it with your own two hands and put it on the table. Uh, I just, I just think they're taking away one of the most, you know, we're just talking about, you know, taking away one of the most pure natural things a father and son can do. One of the best life lessons for a child, whether, whether he becomes an avid hunter as I did uh, or just, you know, goes out and and learns about the outdoors. Um, It's, it's so important and so grounded I mean, you want to, <laughs> I'm not in favor of banning anything, but man, let's start with video games. Let's don't start with kids getting outside and being active and, and, uh, listening to bullfrogs in the pond and watching the sun go down and, uh, learning about, about animals and, and conservation and, and nature. I mean, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, it, it's interesting to me that we have So much animosity towards guns, and I've really never understood the crux of it other than they just want a disarmed population. Because for every statistic that they rattle off, you look a little bit deeper and you see the statistic, there's another statistic to go right against it. That usually makes a lot more sense. Uh, Yet here we are. What do you think is the big push against guns? Why is there such a push in favor of gun control?
10: Well, I, the, the big picture would be from disarming, you know, the citizens, uh, you know, we make up one of the, our the citizens, not our military, just us citizens make up one of the largest, uh, armies in the world. Um, we have, we have the ability we have, you know, we're armed. A lot of us are trained and, um, you know, they don't have that full control over their citizens as long as they can stand up for themselves. And if you look at any country, any region where they've allowed themselves to be disarmed, all you got to do is look what happened next, and know that uh, that they, they do it for a reason. Um, the blame game, too. You know, it's easier to blame the gun than blame. Uh, you know, let's don't let's don't look at the fact that this person has been in and out of the jail system and the prison system, and that has been let go um, and paroled. And not put in jail when they should have been in jail, and then committed, you know, then committed a crime. Let's blame the gun. Let's don't blame the fact that they were too soft on crime. Let's don't blame someone who's over here illegally involved in drugs or just, uh, you know, whatever their their line of business is that commits a crime that shoots somebody that rapes somebody. You know, let's don't let's don't blame our open border. Let's blame the gun. And I think it's a way to, you know, a lot of times it's a way to pass blame.
1: I think you're right. And all too often, there's tons of data out there that shows that most of these folks that end up in in crime one way or another, irrespective of race, um, many of them come from fatherless homes. And uh, it's it's an issue that goes unnoticed.
10: That is, you know, that 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 subject right there goes. It's it's bigger. It's
1: more important than
10: anyone's talking about. And it goes unnoticed more than anyone's talking about. You know, the the father of us home growing up with a, with a with a father figure in the home, some of these kids, the things they go through and they come out uh you know, and they, they've got the wrong role models, the wrong influences. I mean it's uh it's un, you know, it's it's hard to, to imagine how they can get on the right path without having a role model and the father figure at home. But that is a very very wise and important thing you just said there.
1: Folks are on with Andy Ross. And uh, like I said, he's a country music superstar, and he's the founder and CEO of American Rebel. And when we come back, we're going to find out how a country music singer and TV host gets into the gun business or vice versa. Don't move a muscle.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4VALDEZ. That's 833 482 Five three three seven eight three three four Valdes. That's Valdes with an S. 833-4-Valdez. That's Valdez with an S
1: Alright, Familia, welcome back. We're on with Andy Ross And Andy Ross, how, how does a uh, country music singer go to go, getting onto a television platform and then starting a gun safe company and, and a beer company? How does that story work out?
10: Well, I'll tell you, I'll run through this as quick as I can. I uh, made a DVD of some of my hunts. I sent it to a couple of the networks. Uh, they liked what they saw. They offered me a deal to do a TV show. I had a show called Maximum Archery World Tour for 10 years on outdoor TV, outdoor channel, sportsman's channel, and uh, I could play some music. So I did some I did some music on the show, all hunting songs, Gotta Go Hunting Blues, Hunt Me Down, Blood Trail on a Whitetail, buck, buck of a Lifetime, stuff like that. And uh, when digital file sharing came out, you know, Napster and all the file sharing and iTunes, Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden my music started going viral. Um, On my third or second record, I had a song called Cold Dead Hand, which landed me on Counting Cars, where Danny built me the Second Amendment muscle car on the History Channel. Mm -hmm. Then on my third record, Time to Fight, I had a song called American Rebel. It went viral as a patriotic anthem. We decided to build a brand around it. We did concealed carry clothing, backpacks, coats, and jackets, got into gun safes. February of 22, we became a publicly traded company on NASDAQ. And now we're getting ready to launch America's patriotic, God-fearing, constitution, love, and national anthem, singing, and stay your ground beer.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations. Um, how do people get this beer? Is this an exclusive craft beer that we got to go to Tennessee to get, or can people all across the country get it?
10: Uh, we're going to roll it out nationwide in January. Uh, go to dot com for the beer. It's American rebel com, and all of my stuff. Uh, music still going loud and proud at Andy Ross.com.
1: Outstanding Andy Ross. Uh, let me tell you, this is a, a real American dream story where you, you leave no stone unturned and good for you. Uh, so is this like an IPA? Is it a regular draft beer? What kind of beer is it? So we're
10: going to go, you know, uh, thank you for that. We've been, I've been chasing the American dream all my life and not about to slow down now. The beer's coming out, you know, we're, we're going to go right after the, the void in the market, the Bud and Bud Light left. And sure. so we're coming out with our lager and our light lager. But we're also going to do, behind that, we're going to do our uh, our Constitution line, which will be more, more of your craft beers, your IPAs, and so on. And then our American Rebel, uh, we the people, wheat, and American Rebel will we, the people unfiltered wheat. So, but we're starting, we're starting right now to uh, uh, attack that void, give uh, somebody, put something in their hand. They can be proud to drink and raise it high in the high in the air and celebrate freedom and celebrate life.
1: And the American rebel beer, that's fantastic. And it it seems like all of us are rebels nowadays, right? Uh, It's not like it used to be where the rebels were just in the South. I think everybody's a rebel. If, if you love America.
10: If, uh, if your word still means something and you can do a deal on a handshake, hold the door for, a, for someone, help an elderly person across the street, or be prepared to defend yourself, your family, or a room full of total strangers, uh, you're, you're an American rebel in my book, no matter where you're from.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Andy Ross, you are a, a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, and a craft beer maker. Uh, I appreciate it, sir. Good luck with your music and your beer and everything else that you're doing. Godspeed, sir. Thanks for being with us. God bless. Thank you for having me on. You bet. All right, folks, there is more to come. It's Open Phone America. We're live. We're national. We're taking your calls. 833-482-5337. 833-4valdez is the number. Any topic uh, for the next hour, anything goes. So give me a call. Uh, The number, 833-482-5337. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And our phone number, if you want to join us on our late night National Town Hall uh, forum, here we go. 833-482-5337, valdez And a quick headline here. <clears throat> Listen to this. Jimmy Carter had his 99th birthday celebration delayed because of the looming government shutdown. Now, I know many of you are saying, hey, the last time we talked about Carter, he went into hospice. Uh, Well, apparently, I guess he's still in hospice. And uh, they had to move his celebration to Saturday to avoid the federal shutdown threat. I don't understand it either. Uh, The Jimmy Carter Library and Museum is moving up their festivities for the former president's 99th birthday because of the threat of a partial government shutdown, according to Yahoo News here. Uh, Just mind-boggling. Uh, The event was originally scheduled for Sunday. Carter's birthday will now be held on Saturday on the Atlanta campus of the library of the Carter Center. At the end of Saturday, there's uh, the deadline for Congress to potentially shut down if they don't sign a continuing resolution. So uh, politics is playing a part in his 99th birthday celebration while he, uh, as I understand it, remains in hospice. So I'm glad he's still around. Happy birthday, President Carter. And it's amazing how you move your party around just to accommodate a government shutdown. <laughs> uh, I'd have the party either way. What are you going to do? What are they going to do? Sue you? Come on, you're you're a former president. Anyway, that's uh, that's that story. Then, in New York City, the health commissioner is now asking the general public to carry Narcan, that uh, overdose reviving spray that goes in your nose, uh, because you know. The liberal government is giving up. This is according to the New York Post word that New York City has set a drug overdose death toll record last year was underscored this week by health commissioner Ashwin Vassan's proposal that everybody should now carry and pack an OD rescue kit. You should be carrying Narcan right now, he says. Narcan needs to be everywhere. Now, let's stop and pause for a second. I totally understand trying to save somebody, you know, when they came out with those portable defibrillators, they wanted to put them in all the public places. Understood. Why are we not looking at the problem here? Why are we not looking at the fact that the border is wide open and people keep coming with backpacks? You know, over the weekend, I had some people over for dinner, uh, some very beloved people. And uh, we turned on the TV and we're watching the National Geographic channel. And it was that uh, show, uh, I think it's called To Catch a Smuggler. And it shows you all these interesting ways where they catch people, you know, bringing stuff in in cars and vases and artifacts. I mean, they have figured out so many ways. They stick it inside of cheese. You name it, they're bringing stuff in. And it's all over the place. One woman said, no, 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 that is a tampon. When she went through the x-ray, uh, closer inspection revealed it was not a tampon. It was a bunch of... Uh, packets of uh, of narcotics. And it's it's just remarkable the ingenuity that's displayed by the smugglers. But we have a huge problem. The big problem is that we have a huge appetite for illegal things like drugs, like uh, underage children, because people like child porn. And the next thing you know, they want the actual child. I mean, these are things I don't know that every country has this problem, but I know we have it here. And we don't address those problems as Uh, At least I, I don't think we address them as well as we can. Then we have a problem with getting the drugs here. Just fascinates me how we're not doing anything to fix the problem. Now it's you, John Q. Public, your job to carry Narcan around so that you can go ahead. You know, and the article goes on. That's so you'll be prepared in case you're strolling through Tompkins Square Park on a sunny afternoon and notice someone flaked out on a bench looking seriously overdosed. You'll reach for your Narcan holster and come to the rescue. Even though the uh, Tompkins Park clientele, uh, (laughs) you'll need a bigger holster. That's a joke they make in the article. Anyway, it says, hey, it takes a village, right? Uh, I mean, I got to tell you, this is just horrible. Now, uh, Vasan is also the brains behind Gotham City-sponsored safe injection drug shoot-up sites and its public health vending machines. You'll remember those vending machines. That's the one that ran out of crack pipes and clean needles uh, within a couple of hours after they put them out on the streets. So this is not uh, a a manner or a strategy to address a public health crisis. This is a manner or strategy to exacerbate a public health crisis. It's uh, almost like they're trying to to see people die. I mean, it's just remarkable that they're not taking any action. Anyway, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this stuff and the rest of everything we're talking about. We've talked about a lot tonight about uh, the debate and uh, Republicans, the Democrats, nothing from the independents. And we uh, will go to the calls. Let us go to Bill, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez.
2: Hey, Rich. You, you just blew my mind, man, with two things. Well, with the Narcan, you know, <laughs> carry the Narcan. And, and, and like you said, they, they want to see people die. And, uh, I was telling your screener, uh, and, oh, and Jimmy Carter, uh, man, he should have never, uh, he should have never canceled his birthday because I mean, come on, you, you don't know if he's going to make it to his birthday now. I mean, <laughs>
1: well, and, 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 in fairness, they moved it up by one day, so he's got better odds oh, now. they
2: moved it up. Oh, yeah. It was
1: Sunday. They're moving it to Saturday.
2: Oh, uh, well, okay. That's a good idea. That's a that, <laughs> yeah, Okay. That makes <laughs> I'm sorry. But the Democrats to me are the party of death. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, I mean, just look at, uh, uh, defund the police, D, De- as in Dumb Uh, <laughs> look at all the people that are dying because of their policies. Um, I believe that, uh, we are behind the, uh, mostly, right now, pushing the Ukraine war. Sure. You know what, you know, you know, Rich? Uh, I mean, how' sending money. I mean, money that we don't even have to keep this war going, I and mean, people are dying by the day. Right, that's we're doing I nothing to stop a... it,
1: and we're doing everything to continue it.
2: That's right. That's right. And yeah, uh, right. that's uh, uh, the way that they look at abortion. Uh I know abortion's a very touchy uh very touchy issue and I'll never have a baby because I'm a man.
1: Are you? But, Are you allowed uh, to say that where you're from?
2: Uh I'm going to say it. I'm okay. going to say
1: it. <laughs> you're, I don't going to go on a limb there.
2: <laughs> I mean we do live in a democratic uh, state here or commonwealth whatever. But uh yeah, man, uh those people freak me out. Uh I uh, I I just hope.
1: Now, are that, you a Democrat, Bill? Are you like turning coat on the Democrat Party?
2: No, no. I might have been liberal when I was young. You know, when I was young and and the Vietnam War was going on. You know, I had long hair. Actually, I still have long hair. A lot of it turned gray. A lot of it fell out. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I came. I came really close. Uh, I, you know. Uh, to being drafted, I wasn't going anywhere. I took, you know, my medicine. I got, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, I was one I guess classified as one I meant next to go, but then somehow triggered it, uh, basically got the war, you know, or the draft and everything be, uh, you know, got it, uh, simmered down a little bit, but, uh, No, man, it's just, uh, those
1: people scare me and, uh, no. Yeah. I think you said it right, Bill, that it's really, they've embraced this culture of death one way or another. And you pointed out so many examples and I think you're, you're spot on. I think we need to embrace a culture of life and outside of abortion, I'm not even talking about abortion. I'm just talking about life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We've, we've got to have a more positive approach to, to America and, and embracing Americanism so that. People can pursue the American dream. It seems like this was a talking point from when I was a kid that rarely gets talked about now. Nobody I know is talking about building a business and trying to move forward. And everybody's just talking about living paycheck to paycheck. And there's an article on that I'll share with you in a minute. But it it just seems to be like things are just going the wrong way. And a lot of people are fighting to continue have it go the wrong way. And it makes me think, why do you think the wrong way is the right way? I'm sure they're thinking, well, what makes you think your way is the right way? All I could say is I think if you make more money, you pay less taxes, you have less government on your back and out of your pocket. Like Raikin said, all of us are better off, right? That's just my opinion. And um, this attack on guns, I think an armed society is a polite society. If everybody had a gun, there wouldn't there'd be a lot less problems. But lamentably, in all of these areas where you're seeing all this crazy, it's usually the bad guys that have the guns and the good guys don't. And uh, it is what it is, right? Bill, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA, America's oldest radio station. Folks, we're going to get to the rest of your calls from Minnesota, Wisconsin, Montana, and more coming in. 833-482-5337. 833-4valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. This is Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 4 Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdez with an S.
10: Any House Republican comfortable with shutting down the government should explain themselves directly to the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines whose paychecks will stop after Saturday. And they should explain themselves directly to all of the nonpartisan civil servants who make sure that planes land safely, who inspect trucks and railroads and pipelines to prevent disasters, who will have to go without pay.
1: That's uh, Secretary Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation, um, saying uh, you should be ashamed of yourself, air traffic controllers. Now, listen, Um Last I checked, those people are essential, and they're going to show up to work, and when the shutdown comes back, they're going to get paid, just like everybody else in every shutdown ever. And when push came to shove during the Reagan years, he made them go to work. So I don't understand. I really don't get it. I mean, when you work for the government, you know that you can get furloughed. You know that there might be a a government shutdown, because it's literally written into your state constitution and the federal constitution. So I, I just... These, um, these sob stories from Buttigieg or anybody else, that's why it's written into the Constitution, sir. Because if we can't agree on how to spend the people's money, then we can't spend the people's money, uh, except for those essential services like landing planes. Genius. Anyway. Um, but he brings up a point about people not having paychecks, not necessarily air traffic controllers. And again, um, I'm sure there's a bunch of air traffic controllers that are going to call and yell at me and say nice things to me. But a lot of people are in a rough spot Living paycheck to paycheck. Matter of fact, looking at a piece in the Hill, listen to this new report from, uh, let's see who it's from. It's from from Payments and Lending Club. And it says this 60% of US consumers across all income levels are living paycheck to paycheck. Of course you are. It doesn't matter what you're making, you're paying 30 or 40% more. So if you make 100 grand a year, you're paying 30 to 40% more. If you make 20 grand a year, you're paying 30 to 40% more. You're going to be in a jam no matter what. About 60 percent of the U.S. consumers have reported that they're living paycheck to paycheck, according to this new report. Fifty nine point eight percent, to be exact, across all income levels have made this report. Uh, Let's see. In August, a slight downtick from the sixty one point four percent who reported the same in July. So it was higher than 60 percent. And now it's down a little bit. Those living paycheck to paycheck include 45% of high income consumers, those earning more than 100K a year. So, listen to that. Nearly half of the people making 100K a year, 45% of them are living paycheck to paycheck. 62% of those making between 50 and 100 grand a year reported living paycheck to paycheck. 62%. And 76% of those making less than 50,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. These numbers are unchanged since August of 2022. So look at that. That's where we are. And then there's another story I'm going to get into, but first I'm going to get to your calls because I think this is just crazy. <clears throat> Let's see here. Uh, let me go to Ann, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, WIZM. Ann, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hello, Hi Ann.
11: You're looking wonderful today. You're looking good as usual.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's my hair. It gets me every time.
11: I'm I'm looking good too. I found a new facial. It's it's a cucumber, onion, and mayonnaise, and I marinated on my face overnight. So now I not only look good, but I'm good to the taste also.
1: <laughs> it's almost like a salad.
11: <laughs> yeah. And and I love that uh when you speak about your father. The old timers and I I like uh, being around and listening to the old timers. Um, For instance, uh, we had um, so a few years back, there was a a man that died in his sleep. So three guys, uh, three farmers, were talking in their sugar hole, which they go to play cards when it rains, like their nearest tavern. And so the one said, uh, "That's the way I want to go," like he did last night in his sleep. And the second one said, I want to go that way, too. And the third one says, well, I, I don't want to go that way. And the other one says, uh, why not? There's no trouble, no pain. Uh, it's really fast. doesn't cost much. Mm-hmm. And the other guy says, well, it's this way. He said, I've got a lot of repentance to do. I need at least seven days. Huh. And and uh, I love that when I ha- uh, hear you speak about your father. Because um, uh, you you develop some of your manners because of his strictness. Sure. And um, I remember his he was strict, obviously. Um, and like some of the old uh, old timers I was around, they they were so intense and and uh, so um, uh, well intense in their feelings that they would pound their chest and turn of knock themselves off the chairs when they talked about. Oh, they had so much passion. Yeah, and I, I love that about your father. He had passion, which made you who you are, um, and and uh, you have a real uh, easy manner with people. You put people at ease. You actually are a scholar and oh, um, a gentleman yourself, and and uh, you're easy easy to talk to and easy to listen. And you do put people at ease. And I want to just tell you that. And thank you very much.
1: Oh, and thank you. I appreciate that. And honestly, what I appreciate most is you're bringing up my old man. And I can tell you, yeah, my dad was very tough, but fair. And I'll share a story with you uh, because he was a very tough guy. But I remember my brother, Al, when my dad passed away, we uh, we all got together and hung out in the backyard and uh, had a little celebration of life. And we were... Reminiscing, and you know he's older than me, and he he told me a story about somebody who was picking on him for his lunch money. And uh, music means I got to go, but I'll, I'll finish the story on the other side. And and uh, it's an interesting story, and I think it's a fair one as well. Big shout out to everybody on WIZM in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Thank you, and I appreciate it, folks. There's more to come straight ahead. We'll continue with your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. Um, Yeah, welcome back. And uh, Anne from Wisconsin had uh, made some nice comments about my dad. And uh, I wanted to finish the story that I started. Uh, After my dad's um, um, death and going to be with the Lord, we had a celebration of life in our backyard. And uh, my brother, Al, he tells me, um, he says, you know, one time, Dad, he... um, you know, I told him, he asked me, I asked him for some money for school and uh, for lunch, and he gave it to me. And then one day he was, he noticed I was eating a lot. And he's like, why are you so hungry? You're not eating at school? And he's like, I couldn't lie to him. I was like, no. And he said, why not? You had lunch money. And he said, oh, because this kid keeps bothering me and taking my lunch money. My dad became incensed. <clears throat> and he said, listen, there's only one way to stand up to a bully. You just got it. you got to do what you got to do. And he said, yeah, but he's bigger. And he said, listen. You're going to fight him or you're going to fight me. And nobody wanted to fight my dad, right? So <laughs> it was it was clear cut <laughs> who you were fighting. And, and he said, listen, when you knock him out, you're going to put your hand in his pocket and you're going to take back everything that he stole from you. Not a penny more, not a penny less. And he was adamant that my brother would not be a thief, but only to retrieve what was stolen from him. And and that was the kind of guy he was. It was, uh, you know, it was a very uh, simple way. My dad grew up on a farm in Caguas, Puerto Rico. And um, he was just a tough guy. And I think everybody was a tough guy back in that era. You know, he was born in the 30s. And uh, we don't see so much of that today, Uh, tough guys. You do see people, you know, acting tough and burning buildings down and looting stores. But they're not being fair. They're not being honest. They're not standing up for what's right. So, Anne, again, I thank you for your your really kind words and uh, the opportunity to share a little bit about the old man, uh, Juan Jose Valdez, God rest his soul. Anyway, we continue. Now, listen to this, and we're going to get to your calls, but I want to share this story with you. The mayor of San Francisco is suggesting drug tests for welfare recipients. Now, listen, Republicans have talked about this for years All of a sudden now the mayor of San Francisco says it and, uh, you know, I don't hear anybody crying about it, Uh, but she has been on every side of the issue, right? She was defunding the police and then she said, we can't have bedlam in the streets. Uh, London Breed is her name. And she's proposing new legislation requiring low income residents to undergo substance abuse screening and treatment in order to receive welfare. I think that's fair. Um, uh, You know, there, there are times where you can make this, this debate otherwise. But I think it, it's fair when it's public funds, right? It's public funds. Y- you want to use drugs, that's on you. But you're not going to be able to use drugs and have the public support you through the public safety net. That makes sense, right? Now, she said the move was necessary to combat the city's drug and homelessness crisis, saying, quote, We need to make a significant change. No more anything goes. Without accountability, no more handouts without accountability. I bet you she's the next one to say she's a Republican. (laughs) Under Breed's proposal, individuals with a suspected drug problem would be required to participate in substance abuse screenings or treatment programs funded by the San Francisco Human Services Agency. Now, that's the problem that I see with it there. Under uh, people that are under suspicion, I just say blanket, do it for everybody. It's going to cost some money, but you'll weed out a lot of the fraud. People that are, you know, all over the place with things, whatever. And as it is, you could smoke weed everywhere. So if people are buying weed, they're not going to be considered drug addicts. So I I don't see the problem in giving it to everybody. I really don't. Um, anyway, these uh, treatments that they're talking about would include a range of interventions, including residential treatment, medically assisted treatment, outpatient options, and uh, abstinence based treatments, uh, to be decided based on the needs of the individual. So how about that? Democrats are now for drug testing for welfare. Who knew? Who thought that would happen? People are living paycheck to paycheck, and now we're making welfare a little bit harder. Sounds like the Reagan years, right? Uh, Except people had the Reagan revolution and the Reagan economic boom where they did a little bit better uh, than paycheck to paycheck. Anyway, uh, let's continue with the calls here. Let me see. Um, Let's go to Steve. Cleveland, Ohio. W-E-O-L. Go right ahead. Hey, easy
12: listening, Rich. How are you, buddy?
1: My man. How are you, sir?
12: <laughs> Real good. Yeah, it's been a while, so... Hey, uh, I was going to tie two things together, but uh, what was the name of the guy you worked for, Krispy Kreme? Um, yes, yes, Governor Chris Christie. Yeah, you... Um, the lady that called you before that has a salad on her face when she goes to sleep... Oh, yes,
1: Ann in, in Wisconsin. Lovely woman.
12: Yeah. yeah, she just needs a little ranch, and she's all set, so... Uh, <laughs>
1: I was thinking that too. Um, you
12: put ranch in there, you got yourself a salad. That was yeah, funny. You get it. <laughs> um, Trump, being the the apprentice that he is, the showman, and uh, I think he's the first one that's ever been found guilty and didn't quite have a trial yet. The right. New York case where if all of those people standing on stage tonight, I don't know how many of them went down to, um, you know. What do they call it? uh, Eagle Pass. We'll use that for Texas. Oh, yeah. Now, now if you got all those buses that are supposedly that Abbott says he's going to be still sending up there, they don't have to be um, vaxxed. They don't have to. The the DNA, that stuff's all done. It took like about a minute to do. And um, you see these guys getting off the buses in New York, but you don't know where they come from. 150 countries, give or take. But. Did you ever notice the guys that shake hands with them when they get off the bus? They have no idea what these people are carrying with them besides kids and kids and luggage. You know, I mean like, uh, tuberculosis and you keep going on with it. They don't know what's coming in this country, but these people have been shaking hands with them left and right. And I haven't seen that, Uh, but I'd be concerned about, I wouldn't do it. Back in time. If you just, um, um, Alternative media. There you go. But it's oh, it's it, it, it's it's I haven't watched the news in three years. I'm oh, well, I have to turn it on and see what the other side's doing. So it's sort of like the Houston Astros. Did did MLB no, uh, know that they were going to win the World Ser- Series, or were they just kind of bought them garbage cans from uh, one of the stores there, and then they just decided to get a couple drummers? And if you remember the the Trevor Bauer and all that stuff that was going on, I was talking about. Um, they were. They were, had little sounds, little beats coming out when their pitches, you know, the pitch was coming over. But
1: these players know each other in baseball and they know what, who they're playing against. Sure. And, and there's all sorts of testing and whatnot. They're testing everybody for everything. Speaking of testing, I want to ask you something, Steve. What do you think about Mayor London Breed from San Francisco saying that they're going to uh, drug test people in order to get welfare benefits?
12: I think exactly what I was just going to say is all these people don't come up with the idea themselves. They are getting these ideas from somewhere and it's not sock puppet, uncle Joe, but there's somebody running the show, but there's somebody that put down a set of rules and, uh, you know, the border patrol and that they're basically saying, Hey, this is all we can do and whatever. But, um, there's a lot of things they did do. They're losing kids. They found a two month old baby somewhere by one of the fences or something. But, uh, I think they're all out of their minds, basically, you know, and, you know, I think it's a good idea
1: what they're thinking of doing in San Francisco. Or do you think that's uh, ill spirited and uh, unfair? Well, there was a person
12: who used to be on the radio and he said, whatever a liberal says, they'll do exactly the opposite. And they'll probably eat each other up and, you know, carve each other up down the road. Um, I don't think they I mean. I don't think they they would say it, but I don't think they would do it. If there's money involved, it just has to run through a charity, and then we know where the money's going to go. 97% to the pockets that it has to run through and 3% to the program that you just mentioned. Um, yes and no. Maybe mothers, people that really look like that, you know, really want to belong here, but people that are kind of like... Uh, military age and they're all men and they look like they're from a whole bunch of different countries over somewhere, you know, in the middle of, uh, let me ask you about uh, that.
1: Cause you're bringing up something interesting over the, the weekend. I was, uh, I'm on a family group text with my brothers and stuff. And, um, <clears throat> one of my brothers says, listen, there's a secret army that's forming and it's all these military age men that are coming across the border and they're going to take over this country. Do you believe any of that to be true? Yeah, I do. How do you think that they pull that off? How do you take a bunch of guys that don't speak english uh, and I'm not saying it's not possible I, I don't believe that the these guys many of them four foot eleven four foot eight uh that are coming from Honduras and other places like that I, I just don't think these guys are here to take over America um militarily. I think they're here to to do whatever job everybody else um wants to do and they're going to undercut them because they're willing to work for for peanuts because they come from extreme poverty now i've seen videos of uh, like 150 um chinese men um several hundred uh men from from the continent of africa more along the northern part of africa that i would say these guys do look like they could be uh, ready for the military and um as far as the chinese go they are an enemy of ours. So I could see that happening. But I just don't see all these people that are coming from, you know, Guatemala, Honduras and all that, that many of them are coming. These are countries that are extraordinarily poor. These are countries that have very low literacy rates uh, with, with the people that are coming here. And and I feel like, you know, to be an effective soldier, you have to be able to take orders. You have to understand, communicate well. You've got to be able to read. I just don't see how they become some some army where they're going to take over the country. Maybe it's my own naivete. Maybe I'm being ignorant here, but I just don't see it, Steve.
12: They're coming up through the Darien Gap, basically, and they're starting to widen it out and making it easy. And when you have, um, I don't know how many different gates are down there. I'm not mentioning the names, but of what I've seen, but there's actual gates down there with numbers where they can just, they literally can come through. You can go down there with a camera and the border patrol and the police are going to stop you just like, the things that happened in Maui, they put a basic, you know, a black wall around Maui and, you know, they say there's a hundred, 150 people that are around anymore. There's a thousand kids missing. There's so much down there, but it's all this stuff that's happening. It's amazing. East Palestine. I mean, I'm not far from I'm a couple hours from it, but when you look at it, what happened, all they, they they started a fire. Who is giving the orders and a lot of things are orchestrated. And if you're I, I don't know, not you, but there, there's a used to be a certain person on the radio up here. He's not around anymore. He was. But he's sort of, you know, um, with uh, mm-hmm. uh, the protection from COVID. We'll just leave it there. So, um, yeah. you know, one and done. And Steve,
1: uh, I hate to cut you off, but I got to hit a break here. I appreciate your insight. And uh, I'm still not sold on the the secret army that's forming. Maybe one day I'll have to eat my shorts on that one on the air and say, yep, you guys are right. I was wrong. But, Steve, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Always good to hear from you. A big shout-out to W-E-O-L Cleveland. We're coming back to your calls and more. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, welcome back. We continue with your calls. Let's go to Boise, Idaho, K-B-O-I, and check in with Paul. Paul in Boise, Idaho. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead.
2: Good evening, Rich. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Yes, sir. My uh, pleasure.
2: I was going to talk about Menendez, the uh, gentleman.
1: He a friend of yours? from...
2: No, but, you know, you're given a public trust, and you're supposed to adhere to the trust and, and guard it with your life. And, and then you go and you do something that he is being charged with, and it, it really stings, I don't know, yeah. to the public. We don't yeah, like well, that.
1: Gold bar Bob, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good old gold bar Bob strikes again. He says he's not guilty. You know, um, Paul, I agree with you. And I think Menendez is just the most recent example. I look at Biden and, and everything that, that has come out from the Biden administration that really just very, very unfortunate stuff. I mean, so much, there's countless things that have, that have, um, come out of this administration. I was looking at a little list of them before Hunter's tax evasion, Hunter's gun crimes, um, Pierre, not Pierre Delecto, what is his name? Robin Ware, the president's fake names, or vice president's fake names. 20 shell companies, the laptop from hell, $225,000 for a painting from Hunter Biden, $142,000 from Kazakhstan, 3 million from Romania, 3.5 million from Russia, 6.5 from Ukraine, 8 million from China, and of course the infamous 10% for the big guy. And that was a list put together by uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. But uh, it, it, it's remarkable. All of that. And still, there is no smoking gun. There is no evidence. There is no nothing. You've got uh, an impeachment inquiry that's uh, in full force that uh, today, tomorrow uh, is is the first hearing on that. You've got so much that's going on. You've got the Oversight Committee looking into all of these different things. Yet nothing's happening. It's politically motivated, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, yeah, I said the same stuff when they did it to Trump, but it came out to be that way. Right. Mueller came out and said, well, he did everything under the sun, but we can't prove any of it. You know, no no, no prosecution here. Uh, Then you had the uh, inspector general report. Then you had the uh, special counsel, John Durham, um, who came out and said they did a bunch of bad things. But again, we're only going to prosecute these two guys and those guys are going to get let go by friendly juries. It's uh, for me, I'm I'm so tired of this stuff. I, I look at all of it and I think, you know, will we ever get to a place in in our government where the public trust is not betrayed, where this doesn't sting. Maybe I'm to the point where I, I don't feel the sting anymore, but it's a sad time in American history, Paul.
2: Yeah, and it just keeps coming like you were saying.
1: Yeah. Very yep. unfortunate. Thank you for the call, Paul. I appreciate you. Big shout out to everybody in Boise, Idaho. KBOI, great station. We're going to come back to your calls and more as we wrap this thing up with a speed round. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America Night with Rich Valdez.
1: It's the final segment speed round. Let's go to Scott in Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Go right ahead.
8: I'll talk about London Breed in this program, Rich. Uh learned about it from your program and for like thirty seconds I was like, Yeah, this is great. But um I then after that I'm like, wait a second. First of all, don't trust liberals or Democrats. This is <laughs> sounds like a trial balloon if this passes muster what's next uh drug testing someone who owns a gun cc uh permit holders Mm -hmm. people with barber's license eventually everyone with a driver's license this is not good i we know there's abuses with the government programs but I don't like the potential for this, this, uh, and the fact that they're suggesting it, uh, tells me they have an ulterior motive.
1: Yeah, it could be. Um, again, I don't know that, I don't want to see the government do those things. I would think they would, they wouldn't be great. Um, but, um, again, I think if we in theory looked at those things, um, I don't use drugs, so I, I don't have much to fear, Same but here. the last thing I want is, is for, the, uh, for, the, for the government to be on me. Like, hey, time to come in for your urine test so you can drive or so you can shoot or so you can do whatever. Uh, no, F you very much. I'm not interested. So, yeah, good point. And, and, and that was my, uh, my original point um, or similar to my original point where I felt like they said people that they suspect of drug use – What was that all about? Right. So now that's the new thing. Well, we've been doing it with welfare and we now suspect you of doing. And if you're a conservative, we suspect you of being on drugs. How could you like Trump? You're on drugs. Right. And then you start making somebody's life very difficult. And that is so typical of uh, of deep staters. That's what they do. They try to give you a hard way to go. Scott, good point. Very, very good analysis. I appreciate it. Big shout out to Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Great station. I was on their morning show not too long ago. Really good team. Thank you, Scott. And let's go to Frank, Evergreen, Montana. Quickly, KOFI. Frank, going once. Frank, going twice. Frank wanted to say that he defends himself with squirt guns. (laughs) At least that was the note I had here. Uh, I, I don't know how much squirting you could do to defend yourself against somebody's crazies in New York City or elsewhere. But folks, the music means it's time to go. So I bid you adieu. Hasta mañana. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time. Take care, good night, and God bless. I am Rich Valdez. This was America at Night. We'll do it again tomorrow. And um, check out the website, richvaldezamericatnight.com if you missed anything. Hasta la próxima.